Good day, and I hope this finds you incredibly well. Today we are joined by our companion Sterling, so we will hear his singing in the background. My name is Joy, and I am here to discuss all the angles I can possibly figure out on special education, and there are a lot. I want to continue talking about learning disabilities. There are so many facets to it, and and so it can't all easily be covered in even two, three, four, five versions of this disability podcast, but we can sure give it a try. I'm going to start off this time with the way the way that children develop their reading skills if they are not struggling with a learning disability that slows that down. For a long time, there was this belief that whole word language was the best form of teaching kids how to learn to read and write. And the phonics that you often will hear about was pretty much thrown out the window and we all sort of stuck with whole word. When I started teaching, that was the method that we used. And there are some fantastic positive aspects to whole word language development. For one, it is completely child-centered and it tends to be motivating for a lot of kids. They literally can look at a box of books and go, oh, I can read those and pull out what they want and be able to go to the desk and enjoy sitting down and absorbing the print that they're learning to read. Another one is that it is interactive in language development. Inside of a classroom that is using whole word It is very interactive in the language, and it's a very rich environment with print. Another one is emphasis on meaning and language. And I can tell you how some of this is done in just a moment. The reading development tends to happen naturally. It builds vocabulary. It works with many kids at learning to read easily and naturally. Those kids that reading just comes fairly easy to them, and they are out there. Basically, when I taught preschool for quite a while, and then when I taught an older group of kids, I used this form of teaching kids how to read. A quick summary of whole word language and how you would use it in the classroom would be you go through and you label everything, chair, desk, seat, pencils, everything gets a label, and so the kid gets to know that that word pencil That's what it looks like, and that's what a pencil means. And so the kids are constantly exposed to this kind of print, and then they also have their leveled print books that help them with their reading. And I thought it was a great and fantastic way of teaching until I'd been teaching for a while. And then I started realizing some of my students weren't making any progress, and as I learned more and more about learning disabilities, I learned that that could be part of the problem is the kids, they just couldn't understand that the letters represented sounds and the sounds blended together to make a word. And that problem turned into a bigger and bigger issue as they reached older grades. So we decided as a teaching profession that perhaps we should have phonics instruction mixed in with the whole word instruction, which I think is a fantastic way of doing it. And I prefer that. And I prefer that now as my method 
of teaching kids how to learn to read and write is that mixture of whole word with phonics-based instruction. One of the things I found out when I was researching for this is that there's kind of a best practice of teaching kids learning to read. Remember, this isn't including the kids who have learning disability. These are the kids that are developing their reading skills at an average rate. So they're saying implicit or holistic should make up 75% of their reading day. And explicit instruction, so more uh, where they teach the kids to read and the rules that go with spelling, uh, should be 2 to 5%, and then 20% should be contextually explicit. So perhaps the book that they're reading in class or science that they're studying, the kids will get instruction on how to work with those words. So how do you go about teaching the average child how to read, and what are things you can do in their home environment to help improve their reading skills? Now, this is actually a semester-long to two-semester-long course that I'm trying to summarize up quickly, and so I hope I don't confuse you. I'll try to explain everything, but you'll have to bear with me on these terminology, and you can always use the internet to look it up, but look for EDU courses. Anyway, so one of the things you want to work for and really work on are sight words. Some examples are is, a, the, of. Any of those words that you run into over and over and over again in reading, those words need to turn into sight words for kids. And so you can play games with them on that. How many of those words can you find in a page? How many of those words can you spell without having to use phonics to spell them because the does not have an easy spelling phonics wise and neither do a lot of the sight words. And then you have synthetic phonics, which is you start with a single phoneme, so single sound, and then you can do what they call the multisyllabic, which is structure analysis of more than one syllable. So basically, you clap out syllable words with them. That's really, really a good way to help kids learn to break down sounds. And you can do games with it that the kids might like. What would happen if you took baseball and you switched the syllables around? Some of the kids really like doing those kinds of games. And it can be something you can do just while driving to the supermarket or bringing them to school. It's very important that you work towards building fluency for students. As they progress through school, that fluency is really going to pay off because there is a point, usually around third grade, sometimes fourth grade, where kids switch from learning to read to reading to learn. And it is that point that we actually catch a lot of our kids with disabilities and get them enrolled, but right there, they're already behind and they're going to be struggling with their schoolworks unless accommodations can be set up for them. But it is so critically important that if there's the ability to build fluency in our students' lives and their reading skills, that we do that. In formal reading instruction, kids will get instruction in phonological awareness, which is not the same as phonics. Phonological awareness is something that kids pick up on, and this can be done from a very young age. They pick up on sounds and syllables and rhymes, 
and words that they hear. Again, you can play those games of what rhymes with cat, what rhymes with bat, what rhymes with sat, and see how many of the words that the kid can come up with. Then there's phoneme awareness. And phoneme awareness is where kids start to understand that the spoken language that they hear can be broken into individual phonemes or the smallest units of sound. And when that starts to happen, you've got a reader developing on your hands. And that's when you really want to work with them on their reading skills. Don't push it. Don't make reading uncomfortable or hard to do for them. Just play games with them. Uh, read anything that they're interested in to them or see if that you can help them spell it out. That's the time period. That's that's the clue that the child is making forward progress in their skills. With some support, the kids will learn the letter sound correspondence. And that's part of this development and it starts to happen pretty early on. They understand how letters and sounds correspond and how they relate to relate to pronouncing pronouncing words. And again, this is an important stage for them to reach. They may be really far off. They may say that the T is an S or a G is an M sound. But the point is, is that they're developing that awareness that those letters make sounds and those sounds make words. This is also where phonological awareness starts kicking in and then alphabet principle. Usually alphabet principle is somewhere between late kindergarten and first grade for most kids. And alphabetical principle is basically the same thing. It's when they're learning that 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 letter represents that sound. And with practice, they learn that a letter represents the exact sound, that that letter sounds fairly much the same each time, with the exception of your S's and C's and so on. Essentially what they're discovering is M is M and L is L and the sounds that go with those. And the kid slowly makes progress through those stages. And it's really a wonderful stage to watch. But for me, when I start to see a child developing alphabetical principle, I don't worry quite as much about their reading skills through their future. I always keep an eye on it because you should, but I think that it is a good sign to start really exposing them to a lot of books that they may love. So that was a summary of a two or three semester long class. And so I apologize if not all of it made a whole lot of sense. I was just trying to get in as much information as I could to help support you in getting your child up and reading as best as possible or to find out if there is a learning disability going on with the child. And that's what I want to approach next. Now let's talk about dyslexia in specific. Dyslexia has a bunch of challenges in meeting those areas that we just discussed about for readers that are developing on an average developmental scale. Dyslexic kids have a problem with learning rapid word identification or sight words. It also affects their ability to memorize how sight words look so that they can just spell them. They don't reach a point of what we call automaticity. Automaticity is where you can just do something and not think about it. So if you yourself aren't struggling with 
disability of some kind, you can just type the word the and you're not thinking T-H-E. You're just thinking the and type it out or write it out. Kids with dyslexia, they can't really do that very easily. There's just something around their brain that does not allow them to remember that the combination of letters spells a word like T-H-E that you can't spell out, but is always the word the. They just can't seem to remember it. And I have had students that that was the case. They just couldn't remember sight words. To help these kids to succeed in school, they have to have a special type of intervention and they need accommodations as well. While those accommodations and instruction catch up to where the child is functioning at. Because the kids are not, they're not dumb. Not at all. They're usually quite bright. It's just the, the spelling is so difficult for them. And the ability to sound out words, the ability to move sounds around inside their mind, they just struggle with that skill. The problem with it is, is that it's a biological difficulty. There's no giving them a pill to make it better. There's no surgery that can make it better. No uh, magnet against the head that makes it better. It's just a difficult skill for them to learn. It can be learned with the right intervention, but it's going to be a slow process depending on how severe a dyslexia that they have. And spelling for most of their life is going to be a persistent process, but they can get better. I have a friend who has dyslexia, and once he got a computer, his grades went up because he was able to recognize the correct word, but he could not for the life of him spell the word correctly. Now, one technique that works really well and it builds self-esteem in a really big way is a language experience approach. This is great if you're in a school that allows you to go on a lot of field trips or at least to go out into the yard or to the garden and hopefully things that are sensory that the kids can interact with. Now, a student without help tells the story and then another student or the teacher writes that down. All the students can participate in this activity, which is what makes it so great. But everybody, you start with kindergartners, writes down a little sentence of their little and more complex as they get older. And it's their story and they can draw and add to it if they want to. They can type and do it on the computer if they want to. And the kid knows what he's written for the most part. If it's more severe, do not be surprised if he forgot what he wrote can share this book that he's created or books that he's created and it's really a great skill for the kids and it's good for self-esteem because the kids realize hey I just wrote my own book and that's pretty cool. When I had a group of mostly special needs kids I had one who wouldn't touch anything but when we did these stories and I would install them on the computer and use an adaptive device for her, and she would use the buttons on it to play the different stories that we had written in class. And it was great watching her smile as she remembered what we did. So you're also be 
enforcing memory skills as well. So just keep these different kinds of things in mind to keep the kids kind of going and involved. You want them involved and, and loving it so that they're motivated no matter what their skill level is. And just get them to have that passion of reading. Because reading really is a lot of what we do in the classroom. History is important, but you have to be able to read to be able to do it. Social sciences are also very important, and you have to be able to, to read to be able to participate. A lot of electives, you have to be able to read to participate. And so these are things that are really important. Math is important, too. I'm not meaning to set math in the front. Actually, we'll talk later about a math disability that maybe a student of yours might have and is being completely overlooked. But it is just, to me, reading brings the world to the kids, a world that they won't maybe ever see, like picture books and reading uh, notes on Africa or uh, New Zealand or, you know, what is it like underwater, things like this that some of our students will never participate in. But reading brings it to them, brings it to their world. And so I will always be a teacher that pushes reading and writing and literature. It's just, that's just my particular setup and my particular thing. So anyway, I'm going to sign off here, and seems that Sterling was a nice, quiet, and very polite bird today. So thanks to him, and thanks to all of you, and I hope to hear uh, from you soon. You can email me at emailjoy at touchingsuccess.education. So again, it's emailjoy at touchingsuccess.education, and I really hope to hear from you guys, and to find out what you guys want me to talk about and so I know where I can start researching for the next podcast. Okay, have a great and wonderful day.